Everybody, to another episode of Trans Regret Snoopy Presents the Bible. I have a very special guest with me today. I have Brace Belden here to talk with me about Exodus 12. Welcome, Brace. Hello. Well, happy to be here. Yeah, thanks so much for coming on. This is um, this is a, uh, a little bit behind, uh, a couple of weeks behind the topic of discussion for this particular chapter, but I thought it was uh, a good one to speak with you about. Uh, because we had originally tossed around the idea of talking about something more New Testament, but since we were hitting right around Easter, I thought, hey, let's talk about Passover. So um, why don't you tell people a little bit about what you're involved with and uh, how faith plays a part in your life? Yeah. Um, so by what you're involved with, like, what am I doing now or just like? Yeah, just yeah. What general? are your projects? What do you do? What do you like? I do. Uh, I do a. I do a podcast uh, called True and On. But uh, I'm trying. I've try, been trying to write a novel for the past six years, which is going poorly. But that's <laughs> something I'm, I've been giving it a shot at. Um, I, I'll say for for faith, like it's funny when you asked me like to do this because I, I I I'm not very like. Not to phrase this, but I wasn't raised like religiously, which I think is true for a lot of people. But I was raised with basically like zero faith in my family. Like I wasn't really introduced to the concept of God until I think much later in life than a lot of people. I'm from like uh, my my mom was Jewish and my dad is nothing. I don't even know what what you know type of Christian his parents were. But um, I uh, my 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 mother's side of the family was pretty religious in some ways um when i was growing up um they lived in palm springs which is where like it's like where jews go on the west coast instead of florida like it's hot and there's a desert and a lot of people wear shorts like big shorts um but uh you know we go down there for you know for hanukkah um but never none of any other ones um that that was basically it and and you know i she had an i had an aunt who was like kind of like a white trash jew like you know like desert atv jew <laughs> and uh that whole side of my family basically except for my aunt died within about a year of each other when i was 6 and so after that um there was essentially no more even tangential bit of, of religion or faith or anything to do with God um, until I was much, much older. And so I remember when I was a kid, my brother actually asked our neighbors to take him to church. And my dad was like, I guess, like, fine. Um, I think because he just wanted to see like what went on in these places. And, I, and, and, and so like growing up, I had no concept of like what the New Testament was, what the Old Testament was, like what God was. Uh, what made like Jews, I, I, I knew what a Jew was obviously, but like, um, you know, I, I might, you know, it was, it was very like sort of not just like, uh, not really like talked about in our family, but it was like, I actively had no idea what the fuck was going on with any of it until I got like old enough to read it kind of on my own. Uh, and I remember we had to read like the chosen and of course all these Holocaust books when I was in middle school. And so mm. that I kind of understood. And that's, that's funny because I think that's, that's the case for a lot of, of Jewish people sort of raised in secular households where like a lot of their like really initial, um, exposure to Judaism comes through middle school Holocaust books. <laughs> like, 
reading Anne Frank and stuff like that. And like there was Knights and all those other fucking ones he had to read. Um, And so it wasn't until I, and of course, like once I sort of understood the concept of God, I was like, this doesn't make any sense. I was like, these guys think that like, there's just like another thing out there. And I never was like an atheist, like in like an obnoxious way, because I just didn't get it. Like I didn't care if anyone else got it. Most, no one else I knew really believed in God. So it wasn't really an issue in my life. Um, but, uh, but when I got a lot older, um, I, I got in a lot of trouble, um, legally, uh, socially, <laughs> uh, financially, uh, and I'll say spiritually as well. And I had to start going to like sobriety programs after being a heroin addict for, for a number of years. And, uh, that was when it was, it was like going from a place where there was no real concept of, of God whatsoever in my life to being one where it was like a very present thing. And I had to pray with people all the time and like hold hands and, you know, recite prayers and stuff like that. Um, and talk about God. And I struggled with that at first. And, uh, then, um, I don't know. I it's it's been it's been a number of years. I, uh, six about six and a half years that I've sort of been like I've been off drugs, but I've been sort of like wrestling with that with with what that means to me and like what um, I don't know what my what what the concept of God I'm even like sort of capable of holding is. But I I, I definitely have become a lot more I guess interested in it. Um, and I pray and stuff like I mean basically because I kind of have to because of the stuff I do. But like. Um, and so it's, 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 it's interesting because I was praying for a long time at first with no real concept of God. And then I sort of like was able to get one, but I'm not, I can't really say quite from where. That's really interesting. It's, uh, I've heard a few people that I talked to, um, about like going through sobriety programs, talk to about, uh, you know, their concept of God or how they came to, um, come to God through that, um, process or through that program. And it seems like, through everybody's different concept of faith, uh, their perception of what God is, uh, what he looks like, or if it's he or she or it or whatever, is always so different between every person. I mean, even amongst like Catholics, you can find yeah. this wide range of, of, uh, of different perceptions of God. So it's almost like the, the minutia of imagining God doesn't really matter as much as like, uh, being open to the idea of it creates this like space in your heart or like the space in your mind to allow yourself to be, be vulnerable to even the idea of it or something. Well, yeah. I mean, I think a large part of the reason why I had like, you know, once I was sort of cognizant of the fact that like other people believed in God and there was religions and all this kind of stuff is, was this sort of like like immediate dismissal as this being something that like, this is ridiculous. This is like all these people are fucking kooks and wackos and all this kind of stuff. Um, And that sort of eventually morphed into like an ego thing where like, well, I'm actually smarter than all these people Mm. um, because I know that this isn't really fucking real. Like, you know, (laughs) there's no way any of these people actually believe any of this stuff. You know what I mean? Uh, And, and that actually like my, my being able to sort of, even be open to that, uh, to, to sort of an understanding or not an understanding, but like to the, to a sort of any sort of God like figure, um, has, uh, has definitely, um, sort of like dovetailed with, with my, with my, um, really trying to do, um, be cognizant of how my, not to say cognizant twice in a fucking sentence or whatever. (laughs) Um, 
about my ego too. Like it's, it's sure. definitely sort of been, been, uh, in, in intermixed, um, with my trying to kind of combat my own ego. I've talked so much on the show about the like slippery slope of, uh, atheist, um, smugness. Yeah. And it was something that I absolutely um, embodied at one point in my life. Um, to the point where I was like reading books about it and, and just, um, cause I had been raised Catholic and I fell so far away from the church because I, I genuinely did. I went through, I went to, you know, I went through school and I started learning more. I started reading more. I started going, oh yeah. Part of being smart is like being an atheist, right? Yeah. Uh, it's like the course. last frontier yeah, yeah. of knocking down that intellectual wall in your mind is to be like, well, there's a scientific explanation for everything. Uh, and the more you kind of pick that logic apart, the less it really makes sense. And the more it's like exposed as this sort of like bald, uh, insecure, uh, fallacy, just as much as any other, um, uh, as much as any other philosophy that ultimately we have no proof for anything that we, that we embody in this world, right? There's no proof of anything. So whatever you're doing, you're putting faith in something. So I, you know, ultimately I decided I'd much rather put faith in God than I would put faith in like, you know, Christopher Hitchens or whatever, you know, it's. <laughs> well, for me too, it was like, I had so much sort of faith in myself as well. And like, that's something that, I mean, this, this, this sort of, um, I guess is a big part of like sobriety programs and stuff too, is that like, you kind of got yourself into this mess and like, you know, it was faith in yourself that kind of led you to this point. But like, mm. that was, that's always been a big struggle of mine is like a raging ego. Um, and thinking that like, not, not openly too. Like, I don't, I don't think I give, at least I hope I don't give too many signs of it outwardly, but like sort of my most, um, both hated, but also sort of secretly liked, um, quality about myself is that like, I always think that like, well, I know best, like I, I'm capable of handling everything. I, I'm, you know, I can, I can understand any situation as soon as I get to it and blah, blah, blah. Um, and it's a sort of like worship of myself that like, it's, it's weird because like, I, I've been drawn to it a bunch of times in my life, but it's also very shameful for me. Hmm. And, um, and it really led me to some nasty places because it turns out I'm a fucking moron <laughs> who has made more bad decisions than most people uh, I think could ever hope to. Um, and, and it turns out that not only do I not usually know what to do is I actually do the exact wrong thing. And so um, so it, it, it like replacing worship of myself with not necessarily worship of something else, but like. Uh, just, I guess, attacking that in the first place, I think, is being more like open to 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 God. And I, I, I don't necessarily say, necessarily say God is like, I don't know, I don't know, something outside of myself. Sure, I think of it, I guess. Yeah, yeah. There's like two different. There's this is kind of this paradox of in in the New Testament, the uh, the teaching a lot of the time revolves around like um, forget about what you think about everything because you think you know everything already. Because at that point, the Jewish faith was like so well established and so um, cemented in these cultures that they thought, okay, well now we know how to do this and we know who God is and what God does. And yeah, and there's no room to change any of that. So these people had kind of like these built up egos about their faith in that way. But then on the flip side of that, back in what we're going to talk about today in Exodus 12, you've got this like a uh, tribe of people that like 
at times seem absolutely clueless. Like they have, yeah. they have no idea what to do about anything. They're totally lost. They need d- direct instruction about literally every single thing that they're yeah, supposed like to, to do. All the minutia that they have to do. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's really what I kind of loved about uh, this chapter was that uh, it's so tactile. I think a lot of the Bible to a lot of people feels kind of um, too ethereal, too cloudy, mm-hmm. too um, sort of like hocus pocusy to people, um, and, and in this way that it's like it it it's nothing concrete. It's not something I can grab, but. Uh, Exodus 12, really uh, most of Exodus, to be honest, is like very direct. Here's an instruction. Here's what you're going to do. This is what this is going to look like. It's what it's going to smell like. This is what it's going to taste like. It's all these very physical, uh, literal um, descriptions. Of course, there's like these massive plagues going on and stuff. So there's there's some magic going on here too. Uh, It's not just like a simple, logical set of rules, but um, this... Uh, section. I just loved it. And, and the little, and we're going to talk about this, but there's these little bits of instruction about <laughs> what they're going to do that are so bizarre to me. Well, it's also a lot of it rings. Um, well, it's a very Jewish um, section. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, the first, the first five books of the Old Testament are the Torah. And, and beyond that, I think that the, some of the other Old Testament books are taken into um, like the Jewish tradition as the Haftarah or something like that. I can't remember exactly. Um, so there's a few different parts of like the, essentially the Old Testament is still all Jewish. Although I think later on, some of the books start to veer away from that sort of thing. But this is all, this is all part of the Jewish practice today. I mean, Passover is still a feast that, that uh, Jewish people celebrate to this day. Yeah, yeah, and certainly dietary restrictions are a major part of Jewish people's life, to, no matter if you uh, are are religious or not. Yeah, and that's a, that's the funny thing is like there are a lot of um, uh, rules for the diet of Jews, but it's like I have I've always sort of thought because I became lactose intolerant in my twenties, and I've always sort of thought is like, well, I guess that's just God's revenge for me not keeping kosher. Like, <laughs> I can't, you know, if I eat a piece of cheese, I'll faint. It's one too many cheeseburgers. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no pizza forever. So, that's oh, no. um, okay, well, let's dive in uh, and, and read a little section here. Um, I read from the, the ESV typically, uh, which is the English Standard Version, but I've got a couple of other ones around that I'm going to jump between at times when the language in the ESV isn't as clear as it could be. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically for a little bit of context, uh, the Israelites are like currently in Egypt and they are slaves. Mm-hmm. Um, they are sort of put upon, they, they live in the society among the Egyptians, but they're also like forced to work and, um, and they are asking God for, you know, to, for help, get us out of here, help, help us. And, and so God says after, after all of these, um, sort of tribulations that, uh, I'm going to send all these plagues down and I'm going to wipe out a bunch of these people. And, uh, and, and ultimately there is a final plague. The final plague is what we're dealing with here. The final plague is that the firstborn of each family is to be killed in Egypt. Um, and, uh, Moses is told that he, here's how you guys are going to be exempted from that 
plague. Here's how you're going to get around having your firstborn die. So at Exodus 12, the header in the ESV is the Passover. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, this month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons, according to what each can eat, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. And you shall keep it until the 14th day of this month, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. And I'll pause there. Because God is like literally resetting the calendar, which is a yeah. very funny move. Yeah, to be like, exactly. It's, <laughs> I know it's April, but it's actually January 1st again. Yeah, so. yeah, 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 yeah. Like, guys, this is this is going to be your little new year here. Well, I mean, that's that's fair enough. People start the new year in different different times of the year. Sure. Um, yeah, and it's like a it's like a reset. Like, uh, okay, we're gonna we're really gonna hit hit reset here, and and we're gonna do it in a in a big way. Because yeah. we're gonna kill a lamb. I was a little confused because goats generally um, are not known as lambs, although maybe that was different back then. No, that tripped me up completely because I was like, okay, but is that like, are they calling goats like the male sheep and the sheep? Yeah. The, but no, it's not that because it says it has to be a, a male. Yeah, uh, yeah, lamb. exactly. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it, it, I don't really understand what they're talking about there, but I mean, <laughs> I guess maybe, maybe there wasn't a lot of sheep. I don't know. I feel like there was a lot of sheep herders back then. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's basically saying like, well, get enough for the whole house because that's the thing. It, and it, it does go on to say, basically all you can do during this is eat, which not the worst spell you can cast. Cause you said this earlier. It is really like, I mean, this is very close to what I would call like spell making and magic. <laughs> <laughs> it does feel like the preparation for. Um, yeah, for a spell, for a magic spell, which I mean, I guess if you consider like a plague to be at the time, that's what it would have appeared to be, right? Some, yeah. some magical disease that comes through and, and, and all of a sudden all these people of this particular age group are dead. That sounds kind of familiar given the, the world that we're living in today, doesn't it? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and thank but, God it's not newborns. Oh God. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, the, um, the, the. Emphasis too, and they'll talk a little bit about this later. But the emphasis too about only get the right size lamb. Don't mm-hmm. don't kill a big fat one because only we're, you're only going to kill as much as you can eat, or you or your family can eat. And if there's yeah. even too much for you and your family, you talk burn to it. your neighbor, and you guys can share it because whatever's left over, yeah, you got to get it. rid of. Yeah. <laughs> um, so jumping back into verse seven, uh, then they shall take some of the blood. And put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they uh, in which they eat it. The lintel is the sort of like top of the door frame. In stone houses, there's like there had to be like a support beam so that the the rocks wouldn't like fall down into the door frame. Um, they shall eat the flesh that night, roasted on the fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They shall eat it. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roasted, its head with its legs and its inner parts. So you got to eat the whole thing. Yeah. 
I, I gotta say, um, having eaten boiled goat before, um, <laughs> without salt, which I assume, I mean, I'm not really sure what, what sort of spices and herbs that the, they had available back then. Um, but, uh, I wouldn't recommend eating boiled goat <laughs> under any circumstances. Was, I need to ask how you know, <laughs> how you know what boiled goat tastes Oh, like. we had some, I've had some, I've had very good goat and I've had very bad goat, but in Syria we ate, uh, so not too far from where this happened, um, we uh we bought a goat off of a guy and uh and had to boil it and eat it. We all still all still we got boiled it so that we wouldn't get really sick. Sure, of course. Um yeah. which we still did. Uh oh, no. <laughs> it uh it was not it was I will say it was I, I've had good goat before. I had good goat in in Greece and uh this was a, quite a different experience. So I would like of all the ways that you know you could cook a cook a goat or a sheep, I will say roasting on the fire sounds like the best bet. Yeah. I, I, especially, I feel like if you have to, if you're making a commitment to eat the whole, the whole damn thing, like you don't want boiled uh, intestines sound like not so good, but maybe if they're like, you know, roasted or whatever, they might be a little better. Exactly. Yeah. Cause that's the thing is you got to eat the whole thing. It's head and it's inner parts. So like you're eating the guts of this goddamn thing. It's hard. The, uh, the, this specif uh, the specificity of, of, uh, bitter herbs too. Mm-hmm. I had to, um, I had to Google like which bitter herbs are you, are you really talking about here? And, and there wasn't, none of them really stuck out to me as ones that like any of us would use now, but it was a lot of like, um, like the, the tops of like root vegetables or, um, the sort of like bitter greens from other plants. Yeah. Um, so it's almost like they're saying, like, prepare this delicious uh, lamb, but don't enjoy it. Yeah, that's that's what I got from that as well. Like, listen, like, this isn't, it's not like about having some pleasure here. <laughs> the, uh, I, I had to look up too the, um, why unleavened bread, specifically in this context, uh, the idea behind it having to be unleavened bread for this particular feast is that, um, it's this feast is in preparation for the um, plague that's about to come through, kill all these Egyptians, and they're going to be cast. That the Israelites are going to be cast out of Egypt after this happens because none of their firstborn are going to be dead. And so obviously Pharaoh is going to go, "Well, what the hell, you guys? Like, yeah. well, you obviously caused this somehow." So um, leavened bread. There, there was no like fast raising yeast back then. So like mm-hmm. raising yeast for bread used to take a really, really long time. And so they're saying make it unleavened bread because you don't have time to like prepare a good loaf. You're going to eat this fast and then you're going to need to go because something really bad is going to happen to you pretty soon. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense to me. And you could also kind of keep the unleavened bread probably longer. Although I, I, I don't necessarily, I'm not no, a big bread a, expert, but yeah, can, no, I'm not either. And it, but it, again, it kind of goes along with this, like, this doesn't sound appealing to me at all. It doesn't no. really sound like usually a lamb. I bought some lamb today, actually, since it's Easter today, I'm going to make a little lamb later, but oh, yeah. so yeah, it sounds, it sounds kind of nice, but in this way, doesn't sound particularly yes. uh, appetizing. Uh, okay. Back in at verse 10. And you shall let none of none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning, you shall burn. In this manner, you shall eat it with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. And you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Well, I'll get a pause right there. Yes. 
because the image. This is, is an <laughs> incredible image. Um, this is, first of all, I, I, I listen, I don't know the accessories that everybody had back in ancient Egypt, but it seems a little presumptuous that everybody would have a staff. Yeah, you know? like every single pre- – if you don't have one, then you better get one because that's the direction that we're supposed to be Exactly. And I wouldn't like – you know, you know, far be it for me to like quibble here, but like – listen, if I'm getting the directions that God's like, eat it with the staff in hand, even if I'm like, well, does what if I don't have a staff? I would go get a staff. <laughs> Given the, the gravity of this particular situation, exactly, it does yeah. feel like probably uh, – th- th- it's pretty important that we follow this – specific rule. Yeah. And it says your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet and your staff on your head. So belt fastened, uh, I mean, that kind of makes sense to me, uh, but sandals on the feet also make sense to me. Although I'm, you know, I've known guys who unbuckled their belt sometimes. When they ate dinner. <laughs> so maybe, you know, if, especially if you're eating this whole lamb, you know, you got to finish it. Um, but the, uh, everything, t- what is it? Tucked into, um, yeah, there's there was a different translation that oh, used that phrase, and, and yeah. in the NRSV they actually say, "This is how you shall eat it: your loins girded, your yeah. sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. You shall eat it hurriedly." What are girded loins? <laughs> I assume this means like uh, rather than um, rather than just sort of like having this flowing uh, this flowing robe that you're wearing that you're like tightened up, you're like tucked in, you're like ready to yeah. roll. Maybe I don't know. It could be to symbolize the. Uh, that this is not a gluttonous activity, but but one, this is a workman's like dinner. Yes, we're eating for we're eating for work. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, 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 no. This is for God. That's, yeah. that's, so it doesn't kill my kid. Trust me, this tastes terrible. You yeah, know? this is awful. Bitter herbs. The bread isn't even risen. It's it's terrible. Um, but eating with a staff in hand too seems a little like. I mean, that's just another one of these you know difficulties you get to pass through because you know back then. You know, you basically eat it with your hand and, you know, you got your staff in your left hand, you eat with your right hand. Still, you know, it does not seem like the most comfortable situation. No. And and from what I read, the, the traditional way to like have a feast, like a, a traditional feast, uh, a celebratory feast was to be eating like kind of half reclined, like laying back on your side mm-hmm. and just kind of like luxuriating in the experience of it. Whereas with this, it's like you're going to hover over your table. You're going to shovel this stuff in your mouth. Exactly. And uh, and and make it fast because your, your feet have sandals on your feet because you're going to need to like run. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I got from it too. Yeah, eat it in haste, which is, as you know, you know we Jews very sensitive stomachs. Eating too quickly, you know, can make you feel a little sick. So you're gonna get a little indigestion. Exactly, that's the hidden plague of this. <laughs> uh, so at verse twelve, he says, "For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast." Uh, and all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So Passover is like literally put this blood on your door because then I will pass over your house and I will, the, the plague will go elsewhere. And I got I got to say, I'm like an Egyptian guy. Like, you know, I'm like Joe Farouk, you know, looking at my neighbors, putting the blood on their doors. I'm like, oh, I think I'm going to do this too. <laughs> <laughs> something. Yeah, that's one up, night, you know. Yeah, they're, they're up to something. They're up to something. 
That's true. I mean, if anyone had been even kind of like mildly observant in these in these cities, they would have gone, uh, "This is weird." Yeah. What What are the What are the slaves doing? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> this seems This seems like uh, something maybe we should keep an eye on. Um, I mean, that's, that's the crazy thing too. It's like, I will, I would be terrified, you know, I'm, I'm Jewish in Egypt reading this like, Oh my God, we got to do all this shit. Got to get it totally right. Got to put the blood on the door. And if we don't, God's going to kill my kid. (laughs) I mean, granted, you probably have 40 kids at this point. I mean, well, you probably, probably eight of your kids have already died because that's just Just the way, yeah, just the the thirties. Um, But like, it's, you know, I would, you know, it's, 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 you know, I'd be a little, be a little freaked out, but I, I always thought, cause I remember reading this story when I was, a um, when I was a kid and being, first of all, horrified that God would just go and kill a bunch of firstborns. And then I realized like, well, okay, firstborn, it could also be an adult technically, you know, but, uh, but just terrified at this and like this, this sort of image of putting blood on a door. Um, really freaked me out. It, it's of it's a very like metal image. Yeah, very and, gothic. Yeah, exactly. And the first thing that came to my mind, actually, reading back through this, because like I went through like um, Bible studies classes when I was much younger, but it didn't a lot of that didn't really stick for me. But I was a young metalhead, so the first thing that popped into my head was the song "Creeping Death" by Metallica, because there's a reference to this particular thing. Um, Hell, the first thing I thought of when you said this to me was like, oh, Exodus, they fucking rock. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I don't know if there's much else to pick apart in that particular section, except this uh, bit about how he's actually not just going to kill the firstborn of each human family, but actually kill the, the firstborn gods. of the animals too. I mean, like why? Oh, why? oh and you know, in, on all the gods of Egypt. So he's, he's going after the people, their animals, and these many, many, many gods that the Egyptians had. Exactly. So it's like, it's just this like all encompassing. I mean, I don't think, I didn't take this to literally mean he's going to go, you know, you know, ice Anubis or anything, but like, you know, to, to really just like, cause it says I will execute judgments, um, which I mean, I, I'm not really sure how to interpret that, but I assume means sort of like cast out. Um, but yeah, he's yeah. gonna kill all their fucking beasts as well, or not all their beasts, but quite a lot of them. And, and the, this idea, cause so, so Pharaoh was like a God, right. In yeah, Egypt at yeah, the time, yeah. like Pharaoh was like divine and, and apparently yeah. like the firstborn of Pharaoh was always considered to be divine too. But yeah, is this like a Yahweh's like going to go around and like smite Isis and smite like all of these Egyptian gods? Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. You have been smoten. Exactly. I, I don't know. Like maybe, you know, push over some of those statues, take off the Sphinx's nose. Oh yeah. That, that's, that pencils. There's a... <laughs> That's like one of those, um, the banana explanation for like, oh, you, you don't think God exists? Like, uh, how about a banana? It fits perfectly into a person's hand. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you've heard that before. I have not, but I really like that. That convinces, I love bananas. That convinces me. It's like, oh, you don't think Exodus is real? Well, why doesn't the Sphinx have a nose anymore? Exactly. I'll tell you, I've been to Egypt for about an hour and a half in the airport. <laughs> And my only story is I, I couldn't see any of the, uh, you know, the sights from the plane. At least I don't remember. I was very sleepy. Um, but I did pay a guy $5 to smoke a cigarette in a bathroom uh, or in a closet. <laughs> and then I realized after, while I was smoking the cigarette, I was like, I don't think that guy works at the airport. <laughs> he 
just took your money. I think I just gave, I think that guy just, I had a pack of cigarettes in my hand and I think that guy just sort of sensed an opportunity. <laughs> so that's so, your revenge, Egyptians. <laughs> you got, you got gotcha. one over on the Jews. Uh, the, um, the, the confusing part about it, the next section here is that uh, they're now not just giving direction for this particular night, for this particular feast that they yeah. have to have, but now they're saying, and not only are you going to do this tonight, but going forward, this is something that you have to observe every year, at the beginning yeah. of every year. And, uh, at verse 14, he says, this day shall be for you a memorial day, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations as a statute forever. You shall keep it as a feast. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall remove leaven out of your houses. For if anyone eats what is leavened from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. On the first day you shall hold a holy assembly, and on the seventh day a holy assembly. No work shall be done on those days. But what everyone needs to eat, that alone may be prepared by you. So uh, why they're now already planning ahead, if this is so urgent— if it's like so urgent that they need to have this particular kind of feast, like why are yeah. you now laying out these holy rules that they have to follow in, in perpetuity? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, uh, it, I mean, it seems like a big deal because if you have leavened bread back then, I mean, like you were saying, it's not exactly the easiest thing in the world to make. And now you got to fucking throw it out or at least toss <laughs> it out of your house. I mean, that's a, that's a big ask, but yeah, no, it says throughout your generations as a statute forever, you shall keep it as a feast. So it's basically, I mean, I, again, like I'm not a very familiar with the the New Testament at least, but it's like, is there, I mean, this is a pretty di direct command to like, all right, this is your holiday now. Like you got to do this every year. So there's a connection to the, um, like the, the, the last supper and, and the crucifixion of Jesus and the resurrection. And I wanted to get into that a little bit later because they make a very specific command about, um, about not breaking the bones of the animal mm -hmm. that you're killing. And when Jesus has been uh, has been killed on the cross, there's these other two dudes, uh, real bad dudes, that um, got crucified alongside of him, and they were kind of taunting him the whole time. But anyway, they're still alive, and Jesus has already died. Um, and the tradition was if these people at, being crucified after X number of hours, the guards would go and break their legs. Uh, uh, to try to keep them, like, to, to try to kill them faster, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but the guards go up to Jesus. Jesus is already dead. So to, like, make sure he's dead, they kind of just stab him in the side, but they don't break his legs. And this phrase, that they always use the phrase, like, the Lamb of God. This, yeah, like, sacrificial yeah. lamb is what Jesus was. And, and, like, even then, they didn't break his legs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. Pretty wild, right? That is pretty wild. <laughs> it's almost like the connected. This, there's continuity so much continuity from like start to finish in the Bible. And like, the more I read it, the more I see these sorts of things where it's like, you know, if this was just one of the gospels saying things like this, I could see it's like, maybe he was just trying to like wink, wink to, to this old bit of scripture, but so much of it kind of carries all throughout. It's really, it's really incredible. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, Okay, so where were we? Seventeen. Well, wait, I did have a question. It's like, what do you think that that person shall be cut off from Israel? Just meaning like that's like seven days you're not a Jew. No, I think I think what they're saying is if if you don't if you don't observe this in the exact proper way, if you don't get all of the the like leavened stuff out of your house for these seven days, you'll be cast out permanently. Yeah. You'll be cut off. And speaking of cutting off, they then say. 
that if you have any sojourners or anyone who's like hanging out with your congregation that wants yeah. to participate in this Passover at, uh, at what is it? At 19, uh, if anyone eats, uh, no, where is it? Oh yeah. Uh, Shoot. Well, yeah, I'm no, missing. 19, it's, yeah, that mentions the sojourner, but where is the, yeah, I think I, I, by you saying cutting off, I think I know what you're talking about. <laughs> there we go, at, uh, at 44. Oh, 44. Oh, we're way yeah. ahead then, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he says, that is brought for money, may, every slave that is bought for money may eat of it after you have circumcised him. So basically, Christ, if anyone's adult with Adult circumcision. You. <laughs> uh, I can't imagine that, I mean, look, uh, say what you will about the practice of circumcision. I, I I just can't imagine someone being like, I want to participate in this feast so bad that I'll just just take care of it. Just yeah, I'll just deal with the pain. Sn- snap it off. Yeah, <laughs> it's use your like dull, uneven iron knife. To- I mean, uh, I mean, as grotesque as a lot of the detail is, especially in the Old Testament, like that's one where it's like. Why is this necessary? What? Yeah, like it's it's come on, guys. <laughs> there's, um, there is this. Uh, I had a I had a really really awesome Episcopalian priest on the show one time. His name is Father Spencer. He he warned me against the the heresy of um, sort of like uh, Christians rolling your eyes at the Old Testament God, going, "Oh, that's not the that's not like the mature God. That's like the old yeah. God." And uh, and you know, the new God, that the New Testament God is like the, he's like, he gets it. But like yeah, the Old Testament like, God was just cruel. He was just, uh, he, he made all these unnecessary rules and he killed all these people and he did all these nasty things. And so it's really hard sometimes as like somebody who, like I consider myself a believer, but I read stuff like this and I go, why? <laughs> <laughs> what the hell, man? What's that thing that like DSA people say? The cruelty is the point. That's 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 what made us. God was like, listen, I need these guys to be really good at math in like two thousand years or like three thousand years. Um, and if I just make them do the most insane shit for millennia, then they'll they'll get a lot of Nobel prizes. <laughs> this is like the the slowest build to a payoff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, listen, I know it sounds bad now, but in a while, a long while, but a while, they're going to make these things called movies, and you guys <laughs> get to finance them. Let me tell you about yeah. media conglomerates. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and also, you can you know, just eat all the bread that you want. In fact, you can... Nobody... You can sell matzo to goys at that point. You know, it's fine. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the, um, the only dietary restriction that it's like, they, they carry it on. This is the one that I I've heard of so many people like make this distinction between like, uh, culturally Jewish people and like religiously mm-hmm. Jewish people. Um, why is it that of all the restrictions that the old Testament puts in place, uh, in the, in the Torah, um, why is it the pork thing that stuck around? And like a lot of the other stuff went out the window. I honestly don't know. Like I, I have no clue because it certainly didn't stick around for my family. I mean, <laughs> uh, but but it's it's I don't know because I, I I always try to imagine like it has something to do with Eastern Europe, but like 
I don't know what, because that, that would make the most sense to me because people in Eastern Europe, I mean, Jews in Eastern Europe were often very poor. I mean, most of them. Mm. So like, I would imagine most of the dietary restrictions that the culturally Jewish rather than religiously Jewish stuck with were, were more to do with convenience. Um, but the pork one, yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me because certainly there were pig farms. And, and there, there had to have been other, other restrictions that probably would have been easier to follow. Yeah. Uh, well, it could area. be too, like, um, you know, Jews who lived in like North Africa and the Middle East, I mean, you live side by side with a lot of Muslims too. So it might've just been like, well, you know, just not a lot of pigs in this country, you know, Morocco. Oh, it's just easier this way. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's, let's skip forward a little bit to mm-hmm. 21. Um, so Moses, so the the big chunk of the description here, the, the, the big chunk of the instruction here so far has been from God, God speaking to Moses. Um, and at 21, Moses then goes to the elders of Israel and says, go and select lambs for yourselves according to your clans and kill the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop, specifically hyssop. Uh, that wasn't specified by God. Moses specified yeah. that. Uh, the blood... Um, and dip it in the blood that's in the basin and touch the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. None of you shall go out of the door of his house until the morning. God didn't say that either. Um, God didn't say, don't go out of your house. Moses said that. What do you think that he just thought, well, it's going to be easier if you just don't leave. Yeah. So just like, stay in your house. Well, there's also going to be like a lot of babies dying and like, you know. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I mean, well, this is, I guess, actually talking about future Passovers. So, or no, 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 this is talking about the, no, this is the, I think his direction is for the very one. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Cause God did both. Well, Moses, you got to remember has to organize these people. And so that must've been a task. I mean, like I said, these people at times seem very helpless and very clueless with with how to handle certain situations. And so like, maybe that was just like, listen, I got to get you guys in the morning. So like, just stay home. (laughs) <laughs> because it, certainly like at Passover now is you go to someone's house for Passover dinner. Yeah. It's, a, it's like a shared feast. You're not exactly. like holding yourself up for seven days. Yeah. Yeah. But even with this, it's, I mean, God is telling you, you know, if you and your neighbor might have to eat it together, I guess you could probably prepare it at the same cooking fire and then go your separate ways. Oh yeah. But, yeah. I suppose that's know, true. <laughs> yeah. It seems a little, I don't, I don't know. Also, what about like, you know, what about if you're like dirt poor and you live on the street? You're one of these fucking, you know, Jewish people like that. But who knows? I mean, I, I'm not so super familiar with how homelessness worked in ancient Egypt with regards to Jews. It does kind of raise the question too: is like, do people still burn their leftovers on Passover dinners when they're when they're um, observing now? Uh, I don't believe so, but it pr- probably very religious people do. My aunt that I mentioned earlier is actually like Orthodox now. Mm-hmm. Um. And lives on a farm in, I think, actually Minnesota. Um, really? Yeah, where she takes care of. Uh, it's like a farm that with people with developmental disabilities go and work. Um, I believe uh, in a as hopefully non exploitatively, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, she wears like a full like. I'm, I have no idea like sort of what sect she is, but she is. Um, she wears like a head covering and I believe a wig and all that kind of stuff now. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, there is an unusually, because like, everyone thinks of Minnesota as um, as like Lutheran country. 
Um, but there are a lot of Jewish people in Minnesota, a lot of Catholics in Minnesota as well. So it's just like a very, I think, religious place in general. I don't know if it's just like everyone there is so salt of the earth that they're just like automatically connected with God in some way. But um, <laughs> but yeah, there's like very healthy, very significant uh, Jewish population uh, back there. I think my, no, it wasn't Minnesota. I think it was Missouri. When my, my great-grandfather came over from Eastern Europe, they opened a pawn shop in, I believe, Missouri, not Minnesota, um, but uh, before making their way west. But yeah, I mean, that's where a lot of people kind of ended up. And, you know, it's it's not all Jews made it to the coast. Does the Bible say anything about pawn shops? I I, I wouldn't know at this point. They but. say it's okay. It's fine to do. If, you know. <laughs> I will say I do admire, it's like, don't, there is a passage I think we skipped over that's like, don't work for a week. It's like, oh, all right. That's, that's the thing about Judaism that I really, really got to admire. There's a lot of days where you're not allowed to work. I really love that because the, the, the tradition of like, oh, well, you just have one day of rest emphasizes there's so many, especially the evangelicals that are like, uh, I was just listening to, and this is like a little bit of a tangent, but I was just listening to a sermon today about uh, Exodus 12. And it ended with like an ad that this ministry is also a company that ha- runs financial services, yes. like retirement financial services for Christians. And and it's like, uh, there's so many evangelicals and, and like people that are um, like hustle, grind, like uh, respect, love God, uh, type people that are like, no, there's only one day of rest. You yeah. work all six of those days. Yeah, 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 yeah. We but I so respect right it. Yeah, I so respect this. Uh, just take it easy for a second um, and and pray. Yeah. You know, you know, read the, read some scripture, pray. You but know, don't do your, work. Do your religious thing. Don't work. Um, it's very specifically, don't work. Uh, gosh, I lost our place again. I think we were at uh, 23. 23. Oh, yeah. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians, and when he sees the blood on the lintel and the doorpost, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer I like to that. enter your houses to strike you. So this is something that caught me up, too. Is the destroyer the plague or is the destroyer God? Well, so, I mean, it says, I actually, I noticed this when I read it earlier. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians, and when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer, which seems to be separate from the Lord, to enter your houses to strike you. So is the is the destroyer in this case like someone that the Lord is, or something that the Lord is working through, or is it the Lord himself? Because it's not that, it's not that the, clear. Uh, the voice translation uses the phrase, uh, uh, he, he will pass over your houses and not allow his messenger of death to enter mm. into your houses, which is very metal sounding, but not any more specific, unfortunately. Yeah, the destroyer is also very, very metal sounding as well. But yeah, yeah, because <laughs> it's 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 uh, it does seem to be talking about something separate, which I mean, I guess makes sense because it's not like God is in there like with like a ghost sword, you know, tearing up the babies or anything like that. No, <laughs> no. What, what an image. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The NRSV uses the same phrase, the destroyer. So, yeah, unfortunately, I think this will just have to be one of those, one of those mysteries. It had um, to be there, I guess. <laughs> oh, yeah, the destroyer. Everybody knows the yeah, destroyer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't yeah, want them yeah. in your house, though. So uh, you shall observe this right as a statute for you and your sons forever. And when you come to the land and that the Lord uh, that the Lord will give you, as he has promised, you shall keep this service. And when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? 
you shall say it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover, for he passed over the houses of the people of, the, of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians, but spared our houses. And the people bowed their heads and worshiped. And then the people of Israel went and did so. You ever wonder if like Jews, because I mean, I think Egypt, I think the last Jews left Egypt in something like the 60s. Um, do you ever think they were like, felt kind of bad in like the 40s when they were doing this? Like, I mean, I like my neighbor, you know, I don't want to be celebrating all this kind of stuff. <laughs> like, do we need to do this every year? I mean, granted, those were pretty different Egyptians than the Egyptians that lived here now. It's like the Greeks. It's like, I, my, I remember I worked at this Greek flower shop and one of my bosses, there was three Greek brothers, the brothers Papadopoulos, right? I love them all very dearly, but um, one of my bosses would always was like this kind of guy who was very proud of being Greek, and the other one, one of the other ones, was just like, I because I asked him about you know like how come you know why would anyone in Greece give a shit what Macedonia calls itself? Like I can't imagine <laughs> possibly caring about that. And he's like, people in Greece, well, we haven't done much for a while, and and it's like we're not the same Greeks that were there thousands of years ago. Like those were totally different kinds of people. You know what yeah. I mean? Like those are not like, we're not like the same you know, race as them essentially. Uh, so like, you know, they kind of, kind of, it's like a cover for them kind of knowing that, but not really wanting to like advertise that fact. And so they still got to pretend like there's, a, they should care what Macedonia calls itself. And, you know, there's this big sort of battle between where Alexander the Great is from and all this kind of stuff. Although I thought it was fairly conclusive that he was Macedonian. Um, but, uh, but I imagine that's the same with the Egyptians. It's like, you're not the same Egyptians, you know? Uh, and, and the distinction there between like Egyptians or Greeks and 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 Jews is that like Jews have always kind of been known to be this like this tribal yeah. society, this group of people without a land until what forty forty five or yeah, whatever yeah, when yeah. there was a, like a state, an official state nation that was that was built there. So like that's there is so much more connection that I think Jewish people have to their historical uh, like forefathers. Uh, compared to people of like any any other real nation, yeah, in uh, in Europe or in the Middle East, yeah, yeah, yeah. Even though I've always, I mean, honestly, for like Ashkenazis, I'm like I don't really know how much of a you know. I feel like there's probably <laughs> some converts at some point. That's where we come from. Sure, but. yeah. <laughs> but even in in the Middle East too, with with Muslims, they're. Their alliance uh, oh, yeah. lies largely with the Muslim faith, not with like the country that they're in. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, uh, so Moses is done giving his like little description and uh, of like, here's what we're going to do now, and uh, and then you know we're going to be actually uh, doing this every year. So mark your calendars, uh, be ready because this is not this is not just once. We're going to be doing this all the time. So now it's time for the plague to strike, the tenth plague. Yeah. Uh, verse 29, at midnight, the Lord struck down all of the firstborn of the land of Egypt from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne to his firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon and all the firstborn of the livestock. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians. And there was a great cry in Egypt for there was not a house where someone was not dead. Then he summoned Moses and Aaron by night and said, up, go out from among my people, both of you and the people of Israel and go serve the Lord, as you have said. Take your flocks and your herds, as you have said, and be gone. Bless me also. Weird. Uh, he says, get out of here, but first, bless me? Yeah, yeah. I mean, 
I, I'm surprised that he just summoned them instead of um, stabbing them. Yeah, uh, my son is dead, so I'm going to kill you. Yeah, but actually, you know what? Just get out of here. Just it's like because it, this seems like I mean this is the sort of thing where it's like he causes your crops to fail. And you're like, all right, get the fuck out of here, you fucking you know. All right, <laughs> Moses, I get it. All right, I get it. But like this, it's like. Uh, you just killed like a large portion of my population and our livestock and my child. Um, can you please leave now? Um, it, yeah, it seems, it seems like, I mean, but also, you know, God just came in and killed a huge amount of people. So I would probably be a little freaked out at this point because, you know, you're the fair, you're Pharaoh. You think you fucking, I mean, your whole thing is that you're divine, although you probably are like, I can't really do any magic or anything, so I just yeah. This is not as cool as everyone exactly. Said it would be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then this <laughs> fucking Moses character, you know, one, you know, they eat, these people eat one lamb each, and the fucking whole place goes up in flames. You know, I would be, I would be a little terrified, and probably just try to get them out too. Uh, the uh, yeah, there's like this overwhelming sense of of fear. Yeah. Like at, at verse 33, uh, the Egyptians were urgent with the people to send them out of the <laughs> land in haste, for they said, we shall all be dead. If you don't yeah. leave now, we're all going to die. Yeah, please, like, leave. please beat it. <laughs> uh, so the people took their dough before it was leavened, their kneading bowls being bound up in their cloaks on their shoulders. The people of Israel had also done as Moses told them, for they had asked the Egyptians for silver and gold jewelry and for clothing. Hmm. And the Lord... Hang on. I must I must have missed that the first time I read it through and, and uh, sort of no. glossed over it. Yeah, because well, it didn't mention that before. <laughs> <laughs> so where is where is the, the the directive from God to take jewelry from the Egyptians? Well, listen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> My uncle has a great idea for this shop in Missouri. <laughs> Where we can actually sell some of this stuff. Unless, of course, the Egyptians come back with money, they can buy it back. But, yeah, I know. It's like, <laughs> it is, I, this is, this this actually, I will say, this makes me incredibly proud to be Jewish. Like, sets a very interesting precedent. I it's think. just like, all right, guys. <laughs> I get it. We did. All right. So a bunch of you guys died. You're bad. You lost. You're taking us as slaves, all that kind of stuff. Um, but, uh Give me some gold, too. Then we'll really get out of here. Because I can imagine, like, going up to your neighbor and be like, oh, you like what happened last night? You see that? You see that? It could happen again unless, oh, that is a very nice ring you have there. <laughs> By the way, sorry about your son. Exactly. I'm sorry, I, but you can have another one. You really don't have much else to do during the night or day. You know, you don't know how to read or anything like that. So, you know, there's no TV yet. So just have sex with your wife again. You can have another kid. Yeah. Um, you already have 30 of them. Don't exactly. Don't yeah. 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 Uh, but that's that. That's the like, I mean, it's basically, I mean, look at, read, read the next, read the next uh, verse. Uh, and the Lord had given the people favor uh, in the sight of the Egyptians so that they let them have what they asked. <laughs> Thus, they plundered the Egyptians. That's and it's like so, but like that's the so. And the Lord had given. I read this earlier, and I was like, "All right." It said the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. That to me is like God being like, "And you love the Jews still." Back <laughs> to like, the magic that we were talking Jews. about, exactly. And so it's like it seems almost like hypnosis because I'll be honest with you, if the firstborn of every man or of every family and every animal family. And uh, also my gods were all killed in one night. I would not be favorable necessarily towards 
towards the Jewish people. But like, I would I'm think, like, yeah. God, first of all, we could have used some of this later in our history. <laughs> like people, there were people who were a lot meaner to us than the Egyptians were. Like, how come you didn't do this to the Spaniards? Yeah, where's all this favor that you were able to get exactly. us from, from the Egyptians? I don't see the Russians giving us any gold. Certainly not the Germans. In fact, they took the gold from us. It's yeah, it's it's. It, but but we plundered the Egyptians. I guess that's fine with me. The the word plunder is really funny to it's me really too because it does make yeah. it feels like a, like pirates. Like okay, exactly. We're just gonna, it feels we're like just you're putting your arm want. around like a treasure chest and like filling a sack up with gold coins. <laughs> And and the NRSV uses the phrase plundered too. There's no mm-hmm. there's no um I don't think there's any vague uh, vagueness in that. No, in that phrase. no, that they is fairly plundered. direct. Uh I want to skip ahead a little bit because I want mm-hmm. to get through to this last section here on institution of the Passover at verse 43. This is what we were talking about before. Um this the circumcision bit. Uh, and I've said before on the show, like anytime circumcision comes up in the Bible, I get confused because the 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 I'll be honest, as a practice, doesn't really make very much sense to me, but that it becomes like this right of, if you even want to be in our, in our dinner room, like in our, in our dining room while we're having this feast, like you need to, to break this piece off of yourself. I, I will say, have you heard of the Scopsy? Uh, n- or no. Scoptics? So no. it was a sect of like old believers in Russia who believed in, I'll call it ultra circumcision, where they cut off basically everything um, in women too, breasts and all that kind of stuff and engage in ecstatic dance. And in fact, it was like a huge, huge, like sort of growing movement in, uh, in, in Russia during like the 1800s. Uh, in fact, the, I think the last Coptics died. It, as you can imagine, they could not procreate. And so no. it, it was, it was, while it was a growing religion, um, it was, it was, had its limitations. Um, and that always seemed to me like there has to be some kind of connection here. Yeah. I mean, um, that's recruitment only at that point, right? You exactly. Can't, um, yeah. There's no children to raise up. But they but got like wild. aristocrats and stuff in on it too. So the um, the like practice of asceticism, of like denying yourself pleasure is like yeah. well documented through the New Testament, through Christian practice dating back to the Bible and, and, and since then. Uh, and, you know, the, the like the eunuchs of the church and things like that. And yeah. so there's a precedent for that, for like self-flagellation. And, but that is a step beyond. I yeah. mean, that's really, yeah. really intense. Yeah. I mean, I, I haven't really found anything else like it sort of in history because it's not just, I mean, usually, you know, obviously eunuchs and court eunuchs have, are a thing throughout, I mean, almost every culture, but like this was like female eunuchs too. And, um, yeah, and and also engaging in like ecstatic dance and that kind of stuff. It's like I mean, they're, they they you see pictures or like really drawings of them. They look like whirling dervishes. <laughs> just everyone is this sort of like sexless flesh tube. Just yeah, <laughs> but but they would they would they would engage in like in dance, and so like you know obviously like you know the 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 the, the ultra circumcision is to deny, to deny yourself pleasure and like yeah this ascetic sort of thing. But then like you go out and dance. <laughs> like it seems a little a little funny, but I mean, they were also the guy. The guy who started was also like, "I'm God," so like he was like, "I'm I'm the new Jesus." Uh, so, of course, there's always some sort of like messianic uh, figure exactly. at the head yeah. of that sort of thing because that's the only way you can get people to 
like give up their, their entire like um, life savings and give over all their property. Mm -hmm. And um, cause you gotta believe you got like a direct line. There's no other way that you could convince people. You have to either be, uh, it's basically like all of these people, these like, I guess you can call them cult leaders, which I hate using that phrase because it gets kind of bandied around a lot, but this is um, like cult though, in like the traditional sense of cult. You know what I mean? Like the Greek sense. But uh, y- you have to be just so unbelievably charismatic yeah. to uh, to get people to go along with something like I that. I mean, look at Jim especially. Jones. Yeah. I uh, met his kid, actually, what? when I was like 16. Yeah. Tell me about uh, that. It's an adopted son because, you know, he, he had like uh, a, you know, a few sons of his own seed, but he also adopted like a few um, like African-American children. And uh, my parents took me to see... Uh, a documentary on Jim Jones and his kid was, he gave a, one of his kids that was uh, in the Capitol playing basketball that day, like gave a little Q and a at the end, um, which was just like astounding to me. I mean, Jim Jones is such a, it's such a wild figure because I'm, I'm just like really fascinated by him because he really like molded this political machine in San Francisco. But then he also essentially like not single handedly, but he played a large part in, in, in literally annihilating like, the sort of like radical black tradition in San Francisco by um, killing a lot of them, but also like just, uh, I mean, really making that stuff like verboten in San Francisco politics. It was also really good friends with like Feinstein and like Harvey Milk and all of these people. And that really gets written out of that. Willie Brown, it gets written out of the history. I did not know that. That's really wild. Yeah. At one point, Jim Jones followers had a gunfight with the Black Panthers um, over trying to get a member on the planning commission for the Fillmore, like a black neighborhood in San Francisco, which is wow. just wild to me about a gunfight over someone and like essentially like what something, you know, a commission that deals with like zoning laws. Yeah. Like a city council seat. Not even a city council seat. Like a, like a, it's like, it's like, it's like basically being like, oh, well, we can build a, a stoplight here. Wow. Yeah. It's not as serious as all that. Yeah, exactly. Um, so the, the verse 43 institution of the Passover, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, this is the statute of the Passover. No foreigner shall eat of it, but every slave that is brought, that is bought for money may eat of it after you have circumcised him. No foreigner or hired worker may eat of it. It shall be eaten in one house. You shall not take any of the flesh outside of the house and you shall not break any of its bones. There it is. Um, all the congregations of Israel shall keep it. If a stranger shall sojourn, shall sojourn with you and would keep the Passover to the Lord, let all his males be circumcised. So not only not only the stranger, but all of the children must also, yeah. uh, all the male children must also be circumcised. But at that point, you're basically like, you might as well be Jewish. I mean, that's what it sounds like. If you're keeping, yeah. if you're keeping the Passover and you're, you're, uh, you're wandering about with, with the tribe, then you are part of the tribe, right? It's a conversion. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But he didn't say that specifically. They're just saying if you want to keep the Passover. <laughs> well, it says next, then he shall, then he may come near and keep it, and he shall be as a native of the land. Shall be as a native of the land. Yeah. But no uncircumcised person shall eat of it. Uh, there shall be one law for the native and for the stranger who sojourns among you. All the people of Israel did just as the Lord commanded, Moses and Aaron. And on that very day, the Lord brought the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt by their hosts. So 
Uh, it's a lot. It's it's actually a really. This is probably the most actual text I've covered in one episode, um, because it felt like you can't really get out of this story yeah. early. There is. Uh, it, it's from start to finish. It's all pretty important. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, what an incredible directive, and what a strange phenomenon from. Uh, you know, these people were like, God, help us. God, get us out of here. And he's like, I've got an idea. You got to eat a lamb. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to kill all these people. I mean, I got to say, hell of a bargain. <laughs> <laughs> you mean I get lamb and they get death? Hold on. I get to just eat a lamb and I can't go out whatever for the night. And then you're going to kill all these people who keep me as a slave? I mean, that's incredible. You could have just set up, you, you know, they could have just been set f- free, um, but maybe Things that's not the point. Exactly. Yeah. You really got to impress the lesson onto the Egyptians here. I mean, yeah, that's, that's, that's like, it's, it's just leads them right out. I, I feel like there's another, hmm, maybe I'm wrong. Um, no, I thought there was more to it than that. There is because they leave. And then further on in Exodus, I think it's like 1 through 18 in Exodus is like the story of the Israelites dealing with the Egyptians. And then the rest of it is what else happens like when they set up camp at the base of Mount Sinai. But after the Israelites leave Egypt, um, they are, they're out and about. And then the Pharaoh changes his mind and he goes, no, actually, we're going to go back and get them again. And that's when the Red Sea is parted yeah. and they cross into the wilderness Um and and then of course the the uh, Egyptians follow them into the Red Sea to uh, to try to get them back, and yeah. the uh, the waters close in on them, and, and that's the end of that particular story. But then the then these so they've created this they've they've like God has done these incredible things for them, and then the second that they're free from the Egyptians for the for like the final time. They start worshiping statues of gods. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's yes, yes. <laughs> we did all of that. We got out of Egypt. We did all of this just so that we could screw up on our own. I, that's that's always. And wasn't Moses like? Didn't he get in trouble for that as well? It was Aaron. So Aaron. Uh, yeah, Moses goes up there creating the new covenant, and Moses receives these new commandments, and he's um, he's like inscribing them onto his tablets. And in the meantime, the Israelites are down at the base of Mount Sinai, and they're like, "We're bored. Uh, let's let's create a god that." Um, can anyone we can... make a golden cow? Yeah, <laughs> I was like, thinking a cow. A, yeah, can <laughs> anyone? A cow sound? Does this sound good to you guys? We got some gold we got from the Egyptians. We can just melt all this together and make a golden calf, and then that's the new god. <laughs> I didn't even make that connection that it was very likely the gold that they stole from yeah. you. <laughs> yes. they, sorry, plundered. Plundered, Excuse not me. stole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Piratical manner. Um, I mean, yeah, that's always – people – I mean, the only explanation I can have for a lot of things back then is people really just had no – not a lot of attention spans. Yeah, I mean, I guess it was probably kind of um, in a world we live in where we are overwhelmed by information and media and, and entertainment – they probably were pretty bored a lot of the times mm-hmm. because they they didn't really have much to do. I mean, sure there was prayer, uh, but one can only pr- surely one can only pray so much. <laughs> yes. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And occasionally, maybe you want to pray at something that's like golden and uh, reminds you of a delicious calf you might eat. 
yeah, this Yahweh guy seems like very vague. I'd like to yeah. be able to look at him. I'd exactly. like to really get a good yeah. look at him. I want to get my eyes on this fucker. <laughs> oh. Well, um, this was really fun. Thank yeah, you so this much. Yeah, a pleasure. Thanks <laughs> for having me on. <laughs> um, do you want to plug anything uh, before you go? I, I usually uh, do plugs and then I have a little, I read a little poem and then we, we end the episode. So, I mean, I do a podcast called True and On. Uh, but that's it. Listen to Trunon. It's very funny. Uh, Thank you. You're, you're very smart, and this was a lovely conversation. I thank you so I, much. For I appreciate on. you having me on. Uh, so the poem today that I picked was um, is actually from Walt Whitman. Uh, the poem is called "To Him That Was Crucified." My spirit to yours, dear brother. Do not mind because many sounding your name do not understand you. I do not sound your name, but I understand you. I specify you with joy, O oh my comrade, to salute you and to salute those who are with you before and since and those to come also, that we all labor together, transmitting the same charge and succession. We few equals indifferent of lands, indifferent of times. We enclosers of all continents, all castes, allowers of all theologies, compassionators, perceivers, rapport of men, we walk silently among disputes and assertions, but reject not the disputers, nor anything that is asserted. We hear the bawling and din. We are reached at by divisions, jealousies, recriminations on every side. They close peremptorily upon us to surround us, my comrade. Yet we walk unheld, free, the whole earth over, journeying up and down till we make our ineffaceable mark upon time and the diverse eras, till we saturate time and eras that the men and women of races, ages to come, may prove brethren and lovers as we are. Thanks, everybody. And with your quiet damn devotion To be lost like your child again Clean forever is a close and honest friend to your way. Will there be time to harvest river that for so long refused?